Good afternoon. This is the Leadership and Professional Development Podcast with Don Gatewood, and I am super excited today, you all. I have a wonderful guest that's going to be sharing some awesome information regarding medicine. That's right, the field of medicine. That's something that many of us have thought about, have considered, and really have a lot of questions and ideas about. So I'm so happy today to have the incomparable, with one-of-a-kind, Miss Dr. Lauren Carroll today. Dr. Carroll, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Don. I'm really excited just to speak to you and your audience just about uh, medicine and really just the path and the, and the role and the things you have to do to be successful if you think that's your career path. Absolutely. So, Lauren, like I ask all of my guests before we get into the nuts and the bolts of the conversation, if you could please share with the audience some the details of how you got to where you are, your education, uh, the schools you went to, and just some of the uh, positions that you've had to lead you to where you are today. Well, I'm born and bred in the metro Detroit area, suburb of Detroit. Um, I actually um, went to high school with someone on this broadcast. I wonder who. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Small school, Royal Oak. Um, But for my undergrad, I was actually at Michigan State University. I was a food science major, which is, you know, kind of not characteristic for someone going into medicine. But nonetheless, that's what I did. Um, After uh, Michigan State, I actually was a substitute teacher for about a year or so. Um, That was pretty cool. And then I went on to medical school at Wayne State University in Detroit. Um, I loved urban medicine and, you know, I didn't really want to go outside of home. I could have gone to Chicago or New York or some of these other metropolitan areas, but I really wanted to stay in Detroit. So I entered a residency program at the Detroit Medical Center uh, in that residency was in the fields of internal medicine and pediatrics. So that's a that's a dual specialty. So I did that. And once I um, finished residency, I started working at a federally qualified healthcare center. Now, these are centers that are in rural or urban areas that are, um, you know, did we get some money from the government or what have you? But they're there to help fill in uh, medical needs and gaps in uh, medically underserved areas. So I did that, you know, as a regular physician for about um, three, four years. And then I guess they thought I was so great, but they promoted (laughs) me to, they promoted me to interim medicine medical director, and I became um, chief medical officer of that uh, agency um, for the last five years. Right now, taking a little bit of a break, just um, working on some personal projects right now, mentoring program for kids. Uh, I'm an author of two books, and I'm also a director of children's ministry at my church and actually been in children's ministry for like almost the last 20 years. So I guess that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for that rundown. Now, I did have to ask you, though, At what point in your life did you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to be a doctor? When did that thought occur? (laughs) It's so funny because, you you know, when you talk to people, some people be like, oh, I was like three or four years old. (laughs) Right. I wanted I had a stethoscope and I just knew I wanted to help. That was not me. Okay. that was not me. So honestly, I knew coming out of high school, I looked at the medical. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I do like biology. I have an aptitude for science, but I wasn't quite sure at that point. Um, When I went to college, I thought that either I'd be pre-med or going to public health, you know, because I really liked um, the social aspects of health and things of that nature. But you know what? 
through some of my experiences um, just for doing community service with kids and things like that, I was like, you know what? Medicine is the way to go. This is what I want to do. Okay. Okay. Now, when you made that decision, you, of course, in your undergrad, you took a degree path that did focus on science. Right. And then after you completed that degree, then, of course, there was a um, application process to get into medical school. So once you apply to medical school, then you get accepted and then you're officially on your journey uh, to becoming a doctor. And what I want to find out from you is what is that process like in medical school? And at what point do you have to decide what direction you're going to go in? After all, when you think about medicine, gosh, I have so many doctors, the foot doctor, I got the um, head doctor, <laughs> yep. the, the leg doctor, it's a doctor for every part of this body. And right. I have all of the doctors. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> how did you decide that you were, you know, when you were in med school, how did you decide what area that you would ultimately go down? Well, Don, you are correct. When you get to medical school, man, you have first, you have all the information that you're getting in your courses. Um, I know some people used to have this analogy like college and even high school, it's almost like the amount of knowledge you get is like drinking from like a water, like a, uh, like a fountain, right? Like a drinking fountain, right? Right. But when you get to medical school, that information is almost like a, a fire hydrant gushed at you. <laughs> that's how much right. it is. And that's how much you have to learn and you have to retain. And at the same time, when you're learning and retaining, you're supposed to be deciding, you know, on your specialty and what you want to do. So I will say in medical school, there's two roads you can do. The first decision you're going to make concerning your specialty is surgical versus non-surgical. So once you figure that out, if you want to do the surgical route and the non-surgical route, you need to start exploring the specialties within those two um, things, right? So if I'm non-surgical, there's things like pediatrics, there's certain things like internal, internal medicine, there's psychiatry, things of that nature. So what we go through in medical school, we have focus groups, you know, and each specialty will come to the medical school, tell people about what they do. And then you as a student, you're going through rotations, clinical rotations in each of these things. Like you're doing a neurology rotation. You're doing a rotation in internal medicine. You're doing a rotation in OBGYN and surgery. And during those rotations, you're really kind of solidifying, do I really want to do this? But the, the folks who had a leg up, they started that process the first year of medical school. So when the, by the time they got to their clinicals in third year, they already knew I need to make relationships here. I need to talk to this person and that person. OK. So, OK. Mm -hmm. Wow. So and then once you are going through the process, is it? They say it's super difficult. How difficult is it? I mean, there's all different types of stories that are told about this process of becoming a medical doctor. And sometimes the stories are like, oh, my gosh, it's damn near impossible. And then other times it's, well, if you just study really, really hard, you can make it happen. And so what's the truth here? I would say if you don't quit, you can make it happen. Like if you if it's your goal to become a doctor, no one can stop you but you. But there's a physical aspect to it. There's an emotional aspect to it. Um, one, if you if even if you get in the door, you still have to make sure you solidify those study skills. OK, 
And, you know, even because you might be able to test very well, but if your study skills are not set, if you don't know, you're going to have some issues. You know, you got to do some soul searching in that area. The emotional toll, you know, everyone is super competitive. You know, you're in an environment when you have all type A, really individuals, everyone wants to succeed. You're in an environment where everybody was the top of their class when they, for in most instances, everyone was the top of their class. They might've been the top of their class, but when you get into an environment where everything, everyone's excelling, everyone's a straight A student. If you don't have the confidence within yourself, if you have, if you don't have your self-esteem built on something other than your academics, you might come down a little bit. You know, it's, it could be a shock. It should be, it could be a shock. Not to say that you won't excel in medical school, but um, just that element of competition. And if you don't have a support system, it's going to be hard. And I think just the sure, the sheer amount of information that you have to commit to memory, um, you know, and then also once you get into your clinicals, you're in life or death situations. Even though you have like your residents, you've got your attendings, a lot of the time you're experiencing a lot of emotions. It might be the first time that you've ever seen somebody die. It might be the first time um, that you've seen people in terminal illness. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. It sounds like a, a whole lot. And it also sounds like it's a job that takes up a lot of your time. How many uh, hours a day would you say that you work? Um, well, you know, it, it's different at each level. Right. And um, when you're in medical school, you know, you could it's, it's like a job. You either it depends on how you study. But I could tell you there's been days where I was 24 hours studying, taking little breaks, taking little naps. Um, sometimes during residency, you do have 12 hour days, even okay. more so if you were on call. Um, they changed the rules a little bit. I think they reverted back. I don't know. You could have I remember working 30, 32 hours at a time, you know, getting wow. a little nap here. Sometimes nap not. Here. Sometimes maybe sometimes not. They've tried to make um, restrictions on that. Um, and some of the governing bodies, but you know, sometimes it varies from hospital to hospital. They don't yeah. tell you that. Right, right. The re- the circumstances may require this sort of thing because the people need the care, and exactly, there are just um, circumstantial situations that may dictate how that ultimately goes. I got you exactly. <laughs> so, so you go through the undergrad, you go through the the medical school, you become the doctor. You're working in a field. You've obviously worked in different capacities. You've described to us and you even shared with us just how much time that it can take, not only if you are in school becoming a doctor, but once you become one, the hours can be unpredictable depending on what area that you go in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Now in your particular area, is it, uh, is it surgical or non-surgical? I'm non-surgical. So internal medicine is basically just uh, medicine for adults, you know, right. everything outside of surgery. So your um, internal, your internist is your primary care physician. So say you're having something going on with your lungs or your heart or whatnot, your internist might refer you out to a cardiologist, a heart doctor, or a pulmonologist, a lung doctor, but really your PCP, your primary care physician, um, will be the one organizing that care, keeping it together and making sure sure that you're getting your annual you know, checks or any kind of cancer screenings, anything like that. Okay. Thank you so much for explaining that. Now, what I'm sitting here thinking though is, gosh, with this career, it seems like majority of your time would be spent working. But what I know about you, Dr. Carroll, is that this medical profession isn't all that you do. You actually have other 
passions <laughs> outside of the medical field. And I think you spoke a little bit about those in your introduction, but I want to speak a little bit more about those interests that you have outside of the medical field. And I know that a lot of your interest is in youth. And so right. can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So for me, um, even medicine as a whole, I, I I wanted to enter this field knowing that I wanted it to be for the community. I've always been a huge person about community service, especially in um, African-American communities, um, underserved areas. And what I noticed going through this path of medicine from high school, even, you know, even after residency, is that we're not always exposed to the things that our counterparts are exposed to. We don't have the networks. We don't have the um, role models in place. For example, some of my counterparts, and I'm not saying this is all, um, you know, everybody, but, you know, I was the first doctor in my family. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to school and I'm in residency and, or even medical school with people who they are fourth generation doctor. They were, right. you know, rotating and getting experience even when they were in elementary school. Wow. So just the world of medicine and the making very those beginning. connections. The very beginning. They already had their their letters of recommendations already tied up mid high school, you know. So, but I know there's a lot of kids, especially in the inner city and stuff, that might be a goal of theirs to get into this medical world, but they don't have the support. They don't have the resources. They just don't know. Right. So, you know, and, and even um, as my work as a pediatrician, I saw that a lot of my kids, they had so many lofty goals, but they had no insight on how to achieve those goals or even what it takes, like work ethic wise, you know, where people are just not walking in and they just not handing out medical degrees like that, you know, and I don't care how much you want it. You've got to put the work behind it, you know, and sometimes they just didn't have a, a full view of that. So that really is what drove um, right now my interest in youth. Okay. And also with kids as well. I, I think that even parents, they want the best for their kids, but they just don't know how they don't, don't know, know the how. resources. You know, right. and they're helpless because they want to help their kids, but they don't know how. So I think it's um, for me, I know that really drove why um, I started a um, nonprofit organization, Detroit Meta, um, Detroit Mentorship Network. OK, really just to connect kids <laughs> with folks in the medical field, in the dental field and in the future, folks that are in business, folks that are in law, so they can have that um, counterpart, that role model to ask questions with at a young age. Um, I'm actually in collaboration with the Black United Fund of Michigan. Okay. Um, they have a lot of youth programming. So we're coming together so we can create these relationships um, for our kids this year. So that's a project that's coming up in the fall time. But really, that's, that's, that's I, I see the need and, I, and praise God, I've been put into a position where I can help. You know, I can use my platform to help those folks that are coming up behind me. Absolutely. Because to your point, it's so simple how just seeing people who are in your neighborhood that go to your church or who have a lot of similarities to you, just seeing that example can make all the difference in the world. And it, that's so important, number one. And number two, as we talk about, as you gave your story about being the first 
medical doctor in your family, a lot of kids may have that aspiration, but with they don't see any examples in their family or don't see any examples in their network, they could tell themselves that, well, I can't do that because no one else around me has done that before. So how could I do that? And so I think just that mentality uh, that we all can easily have, depending on our circumstances, it really speaks to the importance of the organization that you founded. And so I'm very, very happy to hear you explain the thought behind it. And I um, just I rally behind that thinking, because really, for many of us, the issue isn't a matter of talent, a matter of interest, right. a matter of motivation. Sometimes it's just a matter of knowing and a matter of having the clear understanding of what the pathway might look like. Right. And here's the thing. There's not one sure pathway to medicine. I've known folks who in high school has C averages, you know, or when they got to college, they kind of turned it around, or maybe they had to do some years before they got into medical school. You know, there's a lie that goes forth. Well, if I don't do, if I don't have straight A's, if I don't do this, I don't do that. I can't be a doctor. That's so not true. I was a food science major. Sometimes they'll tell you like, oh, you're supposed to be a biology major, all this kind of stuff. No, you could be a history major and go to medical school. You just got to get the prerequisite classes, you know, but, you know, we have to stop this narrative you know, that you can't do this because of those circumstances that you had in the past. And then you've got people, maybe counselors or, you know, even parents, relatives who co-sign on that negative thinking, like, no, you can't do this because of this, because of that. It's not right. You know, and I, I guess those people, they're speaking out of their own experience and maybe they're speaking from a place from I didn't make it. So I don't want you to suffer the heartbreak that I did, you know, exactly. So let me let me crush your dream right now. You know, but <laughs> and it's so funny you said that because I'm list. I'm actually reading Will Smith's biography. Oh, okay. And I'm listening to the audio actually. And earlier today, I was listening, and he was talking about how he had dreams and aspirations, and his dreams were very different than what his mom's dreams were. She had a particular pathway and how she saw things, and so when he came to her, she just couldn't understand it, and mm. she just couldn't see it. But he believed in his heart that what he was thinking was the right for him. And he had the courage to make it happen against the odds of a parent who saw it differently. Mm. And so that's, you know, just kind of one of those, you know, examples of, I mean, you know, being able to to see yourself, um, you know, in, in a certain capacity and just the impact of how someone could psych you out because they don't see it for themselves. It wasn't possible from their perspective. And so that means you can't do it as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, what? what's that old adage in our community? Crabs in a barrel. You know, right. <laughs> I mean, you you hate to say it, but, you know, I, I think that um, if you don't have the exposure and I guess that's the, the key thing, giving our kids the exposure to different ways of life, giving our kids the exposure to know, you know, and we're coming from the Detroit area. You know, my parents generation, my parents are a little older. All of them came from that factory, you know. It's Correct. like, we, you know, we're, 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 you work at the fam factory, you get a good job at the factory, you get a good income, you know, necessarily you don't have to do pursue higher education. But, you know, it's not like that anymore. Not at all. Right. You know, but, but the main thing is that, you know, you need to have a focus of what you want to do and then pursue those things. And, you know, God has a way of 
if you're pursuing something, he'll create those open doors for you, those resources. But you have to know what you're looking like, looking at. Like there's something about that mentor and mentee relationship. The mentor can pour into you, but if you don't show um, any, you know, if you're not receiving that information from that mentor, that's going to be a problem. Absolutely. Now, you're doing amazing work with this initiative you have with, with young folks. As you've gotten more aware of the landscape and from more familiar with some of the challenges that the youth may face, how do you feel at this point about the efforts? There's a lot of conversation about um, increasing efforts for our young folks to be more aware of the medical or even the tech opportunities. And as that conversation grows and that the echo gets louder, do you feel like you're seeing an increased amount of effort and interest in this area? Or do you feel that there's still a lot of work to be done? Um, I think there is an increase. I think there's more STEM programs, you know, um, especially identifying um, or really being presented to um, students of color these days. You know, I think people are making the efforts. Why? Because they see a lag in the job force. You know, you have all these positions that need skilled folks, but the the talent pool of those skilled force, those skilled folks is down, you know, so there need, there, there's a need. The industries have created a need for that. But at the same time, um, I think sometimes when we get into higher academia, we get into our jobs, we get into our lives, it takes effort. It takes initiative to go back and to pour into kids. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to go out here and create a nonprofit for mentoring, but if there is a teenager, a young person in your life, you know, you owe it to them, you know, to go ahead and talk to them about, well, what are you thinking about doing? Well, how are you doing in school? You know, what's going on there? Um, Do you see what I'm doing? Do you have any interest in what, you know, interest in this career? If not this career, what are you interested in? You know, because we can't just let, you know, social media and um, other folks just dictate what our kids are doing. You know, we have to have some kind of invested interest into these kids. Absolutely. And you make a good point. We all can't found a nonprofit or work in that capacity. Some of us have limits. We have families and we have these Mm -hmm. commitments that make it difficult or impossible. But there's a lot of other ways to support these sort of efforts. For example, these organizations, they run by donations. They run by people making contributions. And so while everyone can't found a nonprofit, they can certainly identify a good one like yours and support it. Uh, People have an opportunity to support, whether it's financially or whether it's in other ways. Even sharing the mission with organization like yours, minimally someone can share it to their network so people can learn about it. And it raises more awareness and people begin to see it as an option and as a, a level of inspiration. Absolutely. Absolutely. And really, it's just being intentional about it. We Very say we're going to do these things. You know, we put it on a back burner. But actually, you know, I'm a good person. I got, I, I'm a good one for writing stuff down. If I don't write it down, it might not get done. So yeah. <laughs> I write things down in my planner so I make sure it gets done. <laughs> right. Right. And what I and what you're doing is so is so fascinating to me. And it, it really does feel like what you're doing, Lauren, is part of a movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a clear Um, opportunity for growth and advancement in this area. And as much as people like you and others um, identify the opportunity and put 
programming and strategic planning in place, we will see the outcomes being closer to what we like them to be. So I'm so excited for for what you're doing and how are there opportunities that you feel uh, for for more people to do something similar or to partner with you um, with your organization? Do you see their opportunities to partner you know, more with schools or with other n- nonprofit programs that may be doing something similar? Oh, absolutely. So I think, you know, when you look at uh, nonprofits and Don, you know this, you've got your huge ones, you've got your major ones like United Way and, Mm -hmm. you know, folks like that. But then you've got the ones on a smaller scale that are still doing the work. They're in the community, like their hands on. So, you know, if you want to take a more global approach, just like you said, um, give to one of those larger organizations who, you know, is is doing the work in a community in the community. But then also um, reaching out to some of these smaller organizations that may not have those type of dollars that the larger organizations do. You know, and then even you're using yourself, like if you are a professional, of course, all the professionals out there, if you are a doctor, if you're a dentist, if you're in nursing, any kind of medical, um, reaching out to organizations like mine, uh, our Black United Fund of Michigan, if you're in Michigan, that's um, Buff Michigan or BuffMI.org, you know, going to that uh, organization, um, there are plenty of ways to volunteer with that. But even seeking that within your own um, community, I know people do the Boys and Girls Club and things like that, but I guarantee you, if you just um, did a search in your own community about nonprofits or youth mentoring or anything like that, you're going to find a ton of organizations come up. There's tons of stuff to work with foster care and um, kids who are emancipated, who need help, who need direction, who just need mentoring. So there's tons of organization, but I think if you look at it aspect, the larger organizations versus the smaller ones, and then you can find your way and who you want to help and in what ways. So you've been working with the young folks for a while. And first of all, thank you for sharing that because I appreciate you laying out the options that people do have. But let me ask you this, you've been working with young folks and um, you've obviously shared a lot of information and, and opportunity for those young folks. But one is, what is one of the big lessons that you've learned from the young <laughs> people that you've worked with? Um, you need to be authentic. Authentic. Okay? Authenticity. Okay. Especially with this generation. You know, <laughs> there's, there's no more of, you know, uh, do what I say. Don't do, what I, do as no, I do. You that know? does not there's, work. There's none of that. You know, they can sniff it out. And even if they got mess going in their own lives, they still put you to a higher standard. Absolutely. So, I mean, um, just in talking to teenagers and even some of the younger parents, honestly, you know, just being authentic, like telling them, like, this is the deal. Like some some of the conversations that I've had with teens within the clinic, I'm like, look, if you don't want an STD. (laughs) <laughs> let, me, let me tell you the way to go. Right. If you have issues talking to your parents in this way, let's just be real about this. You know, right. and I, I think they really honor and respect that. And just being there, showing up for them that because there's so many kids these days, their parents and, you know, the loved ones in their lives who are supposed to be there, unfortunately, are not. They're inconsistent. So you showing just consistency in that child's life goes a long way. Okay. Okay. So now my question for you is this, 
I a little birdie tells me that in addition to uh, this great nonprofit that you have in Detroit that's serving our young folks and helping them consider um, medical and uh, tech and science and all this other stuff. But little birdie tells me that you have some other things beyond this nonprofit. And I want to talk a little bit more about that as well. So what are these other things you got going on, Dr. Carey? So, so I'm an author. <laughs> I started writing books in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. Everybody was off at home. I was still working. So I was like, y'all not going to pass me writing these books and stuff. No, no that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I so um, I was just really led to um, write a Facebook, faith-based book about women in the Bible, right? Because, um, you know, as, 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 a, as a minister, I find that um, sometimes kids are disconnected in their faith. Right. Right. But there's so many lessons and pearls that they can learn, you know, um, that are applicable, applicable to their lives now. So really, I devised uh, I started writing this um, a series of books for actually particular young girls about how you find your identity. By looking at what these women went through in the Bible, like how can you see yourself? How is this applying to your life now? It, we talk about identity, you know, we talk about rejection and we talk about God's future for them. You know, we've mm-hmm. all been placed on this earth to fulfill a purpose. Sometimes some things that have happened in our life get us away from that. How can we get back on track? Correct. So, yep. So my first book is Renegade Ruth and my last book that I just released this just release it's called um rebecca rising and then really um if you're a parent if you're a mentor or you're a youth group leader anything like that and you want a way to connect with your um your young the young girl in your life regarding those issues of identity and things that i said please get these books there's questions at the back of each chapter for you to sit down with that um, child just to go through, you know, and we talk about things that are going on in their lives. If you feel uncomfortable, you've never, you, you, you're you trying to find a way to connect with that teenager in a way, use these books as tools, use them Absolutely. as tools, you right. know, and it opens the door to have these conversations. What I like so much about your books is a few things, actually a ton of things, but let me try to list them out. <laughs> Number one, the you know, we all have our different religious paths, but right. for those who do um, believe in or identify as Christian, right. and really a lot of these religious books, a tour, all of them, they're difficult, they're hard, and they were written a very, very long time ago. And quite frankly, people feel disconnected or feel like it doesn't relate to their yes. current reality of where they are in 2022. Let's just be honest. Yes. So yes. when people such as yourself take the chance to um, identify the book, but then create stories that are relatable, that are current, that do a job of taking that extra step to make the connection to the Mm -hmm. young person where they are right now. That's very, very powerful and it's very, very necessary. And then number two, I want to say that oftentimes when we think about leadership, especially from a religious standpoint, they often are men. And that is, that's problematic and it's troubling. And so there is a, there's an opportunity for us to be more clear on on the truth, which is that women played a significant role um, in leadership and that conversation isn't had as much. And so I appreciate that focus, not only for young women, because I know you mentioned young women, but for young men as well, because yeah. equally young men need to be aware the same way young women, young women need to be aware. So I see it as a an opportunity for for everybody, all genders uh, to, to understand the importance of these stories that are told in a way that's digestible. 
in a way that's current and in a way that's on an age appropriate level. So thank you for thinking in that way. Absolutely. I agree with you. And then for me, you know, I'm, I'm a researcher. I'm a science, I'm a scientist at heart. So I'm doing the research. So right. I've heard these stories taught like certain ways. But I actually go back to the cultural significance of why they did certain things in the Bible. So, and you know, at the back of the book, like my editor, they're like, oh, you've got this note section with all these citations. I'm like, yeah, because I wanted people to know exactly what was going on in the Middle East at that time. What were their cultures? Why did they do certain things? A lot of times when people look at um, ancient scripts, they, you know, they use these words and they put it like in a, a, a you, you're looking at something, you're looking at it with 2022 eyes when you really should look at it. Well, how the culture is back then. So correct. Correct. And that's one of the challenges. I think that right. when you use your 2020 eyes and perspective and ideals and trying to look at something from thousands of thousands of years ago, yeah. that does not translate well at all. And so there has to be some understanding, awareness of that and some meaningful interpretation there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's that's super important. And what's also important is how all of this works together for good, because we yes. started out the conversation talking mm-hmm. about your field and your journey toward medicine and how you got there. And just that whole idea of believing in yourself and having an example and understanding, you know, just how you fit in into the story. And then now we're talking about the book. And essentially, that's the same ideal, the same concept you are a part of, uh, you are represented, uh, you are valued. And here is how we all fit in together. And when we can see ourselves as a part of something versus excluded from something, then we have more interest and value, whether it's religion, whether it's medicine. It's all about inclusivity, recognizing that your voice and who you are is represented and a part of it. Your rightful place is there. Then yep. people are much more open, wide here and bushy eyed and up to listen to what's going on. So Absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I agree now, with everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Lauren, for people who would like to learn more about these uh, books that you've written as well, you know, learn more about them, give them as a gift, buy it for themselves or for a person who wants to learn more about uh, your organization, you know, volunteer time or money. How could they uh, connect with those? Well, I will say this for the, the book specifically, you would go to bit.ly forward slash Rebecca Rising Book. OK, and that Rebecca is spelled R-E-B-E-K-A-H Rising Book. So, and honestly, if you connect with me on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube and not even on TikTok, that would probably be a very, very, very good um, place as well. So my Instagram handle is um, Dr. Lauren Carroll, and that Carroll is with two R's and two L's. Facebook is the same, Dr. Lauren Carroll. And then um, YouTube, same thing, Dr. Lauren Carroll. And then I'm even on TikTok, <laughs> Dr. Period, Lauren Carroll. <laughs> right. And so, of course, if they reach you on social media, they can get connected to uh, the, the organization and the books as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. OK. OK. Well, I have a very special um, uh, gift for the audience. OK. For the person who um, listens to this show and send me an email. You all have my email, but it's, I'll put it in the notes. It's gatewooddon at gmail.com. But the first person that says, um, Dr. Carol in the subject line, I want that book. So Dr. Carol, (laughs) I want that book. 
the first person who sends me an email, I will, on the behalf of uh, <laughs> Leadership and Professional Development Podcast, I will purchase that book for you. Oh, nice, okay. nice. No, I'll probably donate the book. But <laughs> <laughs> they got to spell my name right. Dr. Carol, two R's, two L's. <laughs> yeah, you got to get the name. People, you know, we have to spell things correctly. Otherwise, we can't get our blessing. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's two R's, two L's. I always got a correct quote, but it's okay. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> So now, Lauren, with all of my guests, I play a game called This or That. Okay. Okay. And this is a very difficult game, Lauren. It's hard. I mean, it's not. I mean, I just don't know if you got what it take to even oh, play gosh. this game. So oh, look gosh. at me. No, actually, oh, it's gosh. the easiest game ever. All you have to okay. do is just be like, whatever I ask you, you just give me your answer. Okay. 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 So um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say this. University of Michigan or Michigan State? Oh, Michigan State. That's not even. I, I feel almost offended. Okay, I'm just. That. You got to make sure oh, you was awake. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, no offense. All I have friends from U of M, but it's bleed green, baby. I bleed green. You bleed green. Ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> that rival is real, and it ain't nothing like starting a conversation <laughs> out with that rival, baby. <laughs> Being a Michigander, listen, people are serious about that Michigan State and University of Michigan. But, but you know what? When we together it's all love when we come together it's all love you know? i know right it, together, that's so funny it's all love, but yeah Michigan okay. <laughs> okay okay so my next question is um peach cobbler or apple pie mm, peach cobbler okay peach now let's see my <laughs> next question is a different world or Martin? Oh, that's one. A different world. Okay, different why would you say that? You know what? I mean, Martin was funny, was in Detroit, a lot of laughs, but a different world was just so iconic. You know, you got a whole generation of people that actually considered college right. because of a different world. That's, I mean, just that alone. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy influence, crazy influence. <laughs> yeah, I, I've asked this question a few times and most people say a different world. Yeah, yeah. I, I honor and I respect different world. Shout out to a different world, but yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh, really. shout out to a different world. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites too. And I, you know, I just love it. Okay, mm -hmm. so so now the final thing I want to know, Lauren, I know work, health and wellness is so important to you. So I know you got a playlist. Let the people know uh, one or two of the most recent songs that you've added to your workout playlist. Okay, so I, I'm into Christian hip hop. So okay. everyone has heard this song, You Can't Stop Me, Andy Midio. Okay. You can't stop it. Yeah, I'm not gonna sing it. Well, no, you sounded pretty good. <laughs> I, you know, I sing a little bit. You know, I sing a little, little bit, a little bit. Um, <laughs> and then, and then another one of his. I'm coming in hot. Feeding my fam. I'm feeding the meter. Uh, they got the iron while I got the steamer. I bring the fire, but you never seen her. I testify. I know everybody heard that. That's like the TikTok. Like, well, maybe from a couple years ago, like TikTok, Instagram Reels kind of song. Okay. You know, just kind of, you know, kind of get you going and stuff like that. But I, I vary through a lot of different things. And sometimes I'm just like, when I'm working out, I listen to podcasts and things. Okay. So I'll, I'll listen to, you know, motivational type things. Okay. And one of the most recent songs that I've added to my playlist 
is from Encanto, the Bruno song. Don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. I know, right? Listen, people, if you have not heard the Encanto soundtrack or specifically the Bruno song, you need to get it together. That song is everything, and so is that soundtrack. And so is the movie, too. You know what? It's so bad. I work with kids. I've not seen the movie yet. This happened. It is an amazing movie, and <laughs> it's even more dope if you watch it in a movie theater. Because I went to the movie theater, and the colors were amazing. The storyline is really good. You are going to enjoy it when you do okay. see it. Absolutely. It's one of my favorite movies of the past couple of months, by far. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, wow. By far. Yeah. Okay. And I watch a lot of movies, so you know okay. I, my word means something. <laughs> no, it doesn't, but I just so want to podcast slash um film critic. Yeah, all that. All that. All that. <laughs> well, Dr. Carol, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your, your story and also just sharing what opportunities that we have to continue to make an impact on our young folks so that they can go down not only similar paths, but perhaps in an easier way. We have a chance to explain and explore and open up doors to help people get through a lot easier and a lot smoother. I think you're a wonderful example of that. So thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for having me, Don. And I'm just so happy about this podcast. I know you are changing people's lives. I mean, I want to recommend this podcast to any of my kids coming through. Like, look, this is another perspective. You need to look to these things. And, you know, I always say um, that you can have um, mentors from afar and mentors up close. You know, those mentors and those role models that are from afar, you need to glean from them. So this is one of those platforms. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And it's just so good for us to be here in this moment. Now, you know, you guys, before I close, I have known Lauren since she was a little girl. See, she Dr. Carol. Now, y'all have to respect her with that DR in front. See, I knew her when she was 12. Okay. Yeah. So, and she was a, a lovely little girl who was always so giggly and smiley. I remember like it was yesterday. And and not a lot has changed in that area. But but I but I but I want to say just through all of your smiles and all of your um your, your happiness, it has bred a lot of passion and impact. And I just can't say enough. Thank you so much, Dr. Carroll. <laughs> Probably brought that up. Yes, I was giggly and smiley. She was <laughs> very giggly and very smiley. She laughed all the time. And, that, and that's okay. Hey, that's a trait. Okay. That's like, look, a lot of people don't have it. I realize that. No, I'm they happy. don't. No, I'm right. going to have a good time. Yeah, I'm going to have me a good time. I'm going to have uh, me a good time. Like Usher say, shout out to Usher, because he said that. I'm going to have me a good time. I'm going to have me a good time. <laughs> but yeah, this has been great. <laughs> all right, Dr. Carroll, thank you so much. And thank you to all of my listeners. I appreciate you. Keep on listening, keep on sharing, and keep on rating the show. And I'll be back next week. Have a great weekend. Ha, ha, ha.